Hello, everyone, and welcome to And There You Go, a podcast about life. Whether you're hanging from a cliff by one hand or laughing your ass off, we'll cover it all. And now your co-hosts, Addie and Chad. Hey, Addie. Hey, Chad. How's it going? <laughs> you ask me every time. I I'm never know. Gonna, I'm never going to say it's going bad. I don't think. I don't think I'll ever say that. Well, you know, but, if you ever feel the need, I'm here to listen. Okay, thank so, you. Feel free. <laughs> Makes sense. So, we're just going to kind of wing it today. We don't really have a topic per se like we usually do, mm-hmm. but uh, we're going to kind of go on a serendipitous journey here and uh, see what we can come up with. But what precipitated this was uh, a conversation that we had off air, um, really about. Um, kind of how weird it was, or ironic maybe, that you were with me. Yes. And, well, then you were with me. Well, but, you know, it's it's more, probably more ironic that you're with me. By that, I mean, uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic, mm-hmm. right? And you've had alcoholics in your past relationships. Yes. And for somebody like you who struggled with that, and saw the ugly side of, of that from your side. And and I'm going to step back here and say that, you know, Addie and I kind of represent two sides of, of the same coin. Me on the one hand, I'm on the side of the addict, the alcoholic. Addie is on the side of somebody who had an alcoholic or addict in her life at various points. Several. And so, you know, it's it's the addiction coin, but both sides of it represented. So, I again, we were talking that it was really interesting that you ended up with me. Yeah. Being I'm and I was I was a raging alcoholic. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't raging like, you know, the the incredible hulk gets angry and stuff like that. I mean, my my affliction was very severe. Yes. However, you were not an aggressive alcoholic. No, that's exactly what I mean. You know, I, I, I wasn't an angry drunk. I, when, when I drank, I got real quiet, I isolated, and that was something that I, I, I became a hermit, basically. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it, my alcoholism was so severe really kind of makes it interesting that you picked me. I mean, granted, we picked each other, but, but you knowing my background, that you still took a chance on me. Yeah, and I'm not even sure exactly why. I don't know if I questioned it like that at the time, which is very interesting because I had been in relationships with men that were alcoholics, Mm -hmm. and they were abusive alcoholics. And the last one, I... I was at a point where I thought I might have to leave the country. It was That's that's pretty intense. That's yeah. very severe. Yes. Yeah. And so we talked about this I think on another episode, but we did meet through a dating site. Right. Yeah, we did talk about that. Yes, but that's true. Yeah. And I remember one of the things that they ask is a social drinker whatever they ask something about drinking right 
and day drinker. Yeah, <laughs> funny. <laughs> or a non drinker, or you know, you know, like yeah. never social, a lot, whatever. Uh, I swim in this stuff. You know, some <laughs> some kind of a scale to rate. You know, the the amount that you imbibed. Yeah, and you said never. Yeah. And so I was curious about that. And that came into play. I mean, you talked about that. You were very open about it when I yes. met you. Yep. You were so kind, which I hadn't experienced in alcoholics, you know, yeah. prior to yeah. that. You you were kind of quiet. You were a good listener. You were very kind. And I and when you talked about your experiences, why this happened to you and what it was like while it was happening, we had great conversations. And not just about that, but I don't remember questioning for one moment that that would be a problem. Now, did it help that I, um, at the time, was employed with a recovery center? I was uh, in a leadership hmm. position with a recovery center, uh, one that you knew well. Yes. Because of past uh, uh, experiences in your life. Not that you went, but... No, as a family but, member. Yeah, as a family member, uh, mm -hmm. you had uh, an awareness and a familiarity and an understanding knowledge of the, the organization. So maybe that helped a little bit, too. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things I did with with you and I do in just in my life in general is that I'm very, very open about my alcoholism. Mm -hmm. It got to a point where I, I made the decision that I, I want to... I want to be open about it. <clears throat> As my voice cracks like Peter Brady in the, <laughs> if you know that one, <laughs> yeah, it's I time do. to change. <laughs> Song, if you remember that, yeah, uh, do. please don't get me for copyright infringements because that was a horrible rendition. <laughs> no, but I, I made the choice, a very, very conscious and intentional choice, to be very open about my alcoholism and the struggles that I've been through, and I think your that same way with the struggles that you've been as well. Uh, yes. But it's it's become very easy for me to talk about what I went through. And the reason that I do it is so that others can have something to grasp onto, whether it's, it's people who are struggling with addiction themselves or family members, loved ones of people who are struggling with somebody in, in you know, their circle that is having uh, addiction problems as well. I lost a really good friend to addiction mm -hmm. and I've seen others pass too. The recovery center that I worked at was for younger people. And I woke up one day and looked at the paper and, and in the paper was a picture of one of the young men that I had gotten to know really well. And, you know, it's, it's heart wrenching and that's, it's, it's not okay. It's not acceptable to me that this is happening. And so I've become an advocate, and there's a stigma about addiction. And so maybe my openness about it put you at ease as well. The fact that I didn't try to hide it, uh, in fact, did the opposite uh, and talked about it. Maybe that helped too. I don't know. Oh, I think it did because I was lied into a relationship. Yes. I, I, didn't, I had no idea that he was an alcoholic. 
he didn't show any of that to me. And while while during the the pre marital courtship. Exactly. Yeah. And I married him and within I don't know 2 weeks or so I found him and he was extremely inebriated in his um, home office. And I said, something is really wrong. What is going on? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, sit down. And he, um, he said, I've been an alcoholic for eight years. And, I'm a night drinker. And you didn't know him for those eight years. I didn't. Or you weren't dating him at least no. for those eight years. No, no, no. Uh, he said, I will never not drink, and this is a secret that you'll need to keep. And I said... Oh, my. I said, you you tricked me into marrying you. You, you didn't tell the truth. And he said, yeah, I did. I tricked you. Just flat out lied <laughs> yeah. right into a relationship. Exactly. Yeah, that's wow. what he did. Uh, he had no remorse or anything. Uh, it, it was it was pretty rough. Yeah, I w- was trying to get out right from the beginning, but because of certain circumstances, it it was very difficult to get away from him. Well, and that's that's something that again I made a very conscious choice when I entered the dating realm. I put myself on the market. <laughs> as, as it were, that uh, I wasn't going to surprise anybody. I didn't want my issues with addiction to affect a relationship. I didn't want to get into a relationship and then find out, somebody finds out later that I had an addiction problem mm-hmm. and then blow up the relationship. I I. I my integrity won't, wouldn't allow me to do that. And so with whomever I talked to during that process, uh, I was always very upfront. And some of them said, you know, I, I respect that you tell me, but I'm sorry I can't. Why? And I said, they can't? Yeah. Because they, they had past experiences. Oh, and they, they didn't they, they didn't trust. And I get that. I totally, totally get that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to get into a relationship and have that crop up as an issue. I didn't want it to be held against me in any way, shape, or form, you know. But more importantly, I didn't want to surprise somebody. And so I was very, very <clears throat> upfront about that. Excuse my cough. I'm sorry. I've got oh. that Peter Brady voice going on again. You're fine. All right. Yeah, I just, I've always been open. And I think as I, I progressed through my work with um, the uh, the recovery work, and I did that for a little over five years, working with all kinds of people, uh, it, it became really easy to speak my truth, you know, to be able to tell my story without feeling any shame about it. Because it's it, I wasn't proud of what I had done or what I had been or the way I was, but I was awfully damn proud of the work that I had done since I went through treatment and the person that I had become. And 
there is this stigma out there. And, and kind of to your point that you made earlier about, you know, that maybe not all addicts and alcoholics are bad people. It's not about character. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of times it's about situations that people have been in, trauma, and we've talked about this, that trauma is, is a gateway drug it is. Uh, to, to many, many, many addictions. I, I'll, I'll pull up short of saying that all of it is that, but for a good majority of addiction problems, there is a root of trauma in there. And so people don't necessarily choose to become addicted. They choose to use. I, I will speak that truth all day and all night that, that I chose to drink. And I did that to squelch the crap that I felt inside because of the trauma I experienced. Mm-hmm. Lousy way to do it. Totally lousy way to do it. But it worked to a point. But I think once I got that out of my system, once I started dealing with things healthy, in a healthy way, dealing with that trauma, then I was able to speak my truth about what I had done, what I had been, and to be really open about that. And in that process and in doing the work in the recovery centers, really seeing the stigma that rolls around, you know, addiction and mental health issues. And it just, that pisses me off, to be honest, that, you know, there's good people. You and I both know good people. Yes, we really, both do. Really good people that get caught up in this and it shows no boundaries. There are no boundaries uh, to addiction. Uh, I don't care what adjective you use with any person that you meet on the street, you know, rich, poor, black, white, um, you know, short, tall, whatever. Addiction doesn't give a crap about that. So anyway, I think a long-winded way of saying one, I entered the dating market, uh, put myself on the market. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a commodity. (laughs) Uh, I was going to be very honest about it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully in in something there. Well, you know, before I met you, I was on the dating market. Yeah. I went on some dates and there were several of them that I knew were alcoholics. I think they knew they were too. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, this just keeps coming at me and coming at me. The thing though that got me with that is that I don't think that they had good character. And I kept coming across that. And then I meet you and I have the highest regard for you as a person, you know, I love you. It was just completely different. And I think part of it too was that you were okay with me having a glass of wine or whatever. Mm -hmm. You weren't bothered by any of that. So I didn't have to change myself as a person to accommodate anything either. You know, that's a, that's a really interesting point because it speaks to codependence in in some regards and it speaks to how some people deal with alcohol or drugs you can get to a point where alcohol doesn't bother you and it, it talks about that uh, in the AA literature in fact 
that you can get to a point where you can be around it, you can serve it. You know, I can go into a liquor store and buy stuff. It's it, it because for me, it wasn't the alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not like an alcohol fiend. Oh my lord, my my ex mother in law thought I was just an absolute fiend, and and uh, you know, it was just you know alcohol, and I went into a frenzy because of it, like a shark when it smells blood. And that's not the case. No, what it was was Trauma? a means to medicate the feelings, to, to minimize those feelings from the trauma that I experienced. Mm-hmm. Once I dealt with that trauma, once I got rid of that, then alcohol wasn't an issue. That's why it's so easy for me to not even think about having a drink some seven plus years later. When I said before that trauma is a big part of it, but it's not all of it, I think there is there are some situations and some individuals who that's just their thing. Mm-hmm. But also, I think with those people, I think they are still medicating, maybe just against life in general. Maybe life is just that boring and dull for them that they need to do that. But I also like to think, you know, going back to us, I think we've resonated on a very interesting level right from the get-go, too. We did, yes. And, you know, I'm sure you probably kept an eye on me relative to the alcohol part of it. You know, maybe mm-hmm. you did, maybe you didn't. I don't know. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't begrudge you for doing that if you did by any means. I don't think that I did that exactly, but it certainly was on my mind from time to time. Naturally so. A uh, self-preservation type of thing. Of course. Um, and I, I, I like to think that over time I was true to my words that I walked the talk. You absolutely are true to your words. Yeah. And so I can't do anything but that for myself. I have to, because otherwise I wouldn't be here talking to you Mm. right now. I know that for a fact, that if I were to go down that path again, and it would be a very, very steep and slippery slope, very quick ride down to the bottom again, I'd be gone. And I, I just love life so much. And I love life now, especially... Because I have such a wonderful, beautiful woman by my side oh, to go well. through and, and do podcasts, <laughs> and maybe someday I'll introduce you to her. No, <laughs> of course that was a joke. That was a lousy joke. I, I laughed right away. I know, I know. No, but I'm, I'm very serious. I mean, had I known this was on the other side of all of the BS in my life before, I would have come running sooner, but you don't know. And it's hindsight. It's it's hindsight, but I tell you what, whatever brought me here, I'd go through it all again just to be here with you. <laughs> I'm sorry to get so <laughs> sappy, but it's the yeah. truth. It's it's the truth, and I just enjoy your company and just everything about you. Well, I think even though I know it's overused, and I don't think anybody, any couple could get closer to being soulmates or twin flames or whatever you call it. We just penguins. Penguins. Which we talked about in yes. the previous podcast, I believe. Yeah. 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 You're my penguin. Yep. You're mine. I'm madly in love with you. Oh, I'm I'm insanely in love with you too. <laughs> um, we we get along so well we just jive yeah, together. Yeah. It works. Yeah, and I think you know One of the really cool outcomes, and I I talked about this before too, I believe, that, you know, when I was looking for, you know, a new partner, a a 
partner for the rest of my life. I wanted somebody who had similar experiences to what I had had in some way, shape, or form so that there was some understanding of me mm-hmm. and the things that I had gone through. And you certainly have that in spades, absolutely. But what I think is really cool is that we're not just sitting on that. We're actually talking about it. We're coming together. We're reaching out to other people via this podcast, but in our own personal lives too. We're reaching out to other people, and we both have been through hell. And (laughs) what we're doing right now is we're both, we've turned around and we're carrying buckets of water back into hell to help others yes. whenever, wherever we can. And we've done that any number of times uh, since we've met. Uh, well, it just seems like it kind of happens to us. It, it does. <laughs> it seems like that's put in front of us. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it, it's put in front of other people, but they don't have the awareness that we do because of our past experiences. But it's, it's really, I, I really like the fact that, that you're willing to go back into the fire with me. You know, the times that we've done that together. And it's, I, I don't know, I feel like we have a, a joint sense of purpose when it comes to that. We absolutely do. I think that some of it we could chalk up to both being empaths. Uh, that's a really big part of it. Yeah, and we're so very similar like that. Yeah. Very. We read other people pretty easily. We mm-hmm. read each other really well. I think now I trust myself with other people. Uh, I used to not trust because of my experiences being tricked or fooled or abused. And now I know, I know my body will tell me this person is not good for you. Well, and you know how to read your body signals, too. Mm-hmm. You probably had those signals before, but you weren't sure how to interpret them. I always wanted to think the best in everyone. <laughs> that's I, And I, I'm a smiling, kind of half chuckling, because that, that's me, too. Mm-hmm. I always did. But I did it to a fault, where I let people hurt me a yeah. lot. Yep. And I had to get to a point where I could say no. Yeah. I'm burning this bridge or I, I can't have you in my life because you're toxic mm-hmm. to me. Just knowing what my boundaries are. We've talked about boundaries before, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. just being able to do it and not feel guilty like I'm doing something wrong to somebody else. Yeah. It's like, hey, you know, so-and-so, you have been so abusive to me and you will not be in my life anymore Mm -hmm. and you won't have my number you won't know where i live you you know all these different things do not approach me i want nothing to do with you Mm -hmm. yeah and i think it's interesting because i feel like i've found in you what i never had in my past relationship and right back at you well (laughs) Yeah, and, and we've talked about that before, maybe not on air, but you know, certainly in everyday conversation about that. And it's and there's I think there's a quote out there that says something about you don't realize what you're missing until you find what you needed all along or something mm-hmm. to that effect. Yeah. And I knew what I wanted in a partner and boy did I find it in you. You know? <laughs> I'm 
it, yeah, I know it. This is all kind of, some of this is sappy, but it's true. I mean, Addie and I are a real couple. I mean, we're a real couple and we're going through stuff together. And for both of us to have gone through what we did and to finally, finally find what we need, my confidence in myself and all of that has just never been stronger for me. And I, I appreciate it. And even coming out of recovery, recovery was kind of the start of my transformation. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was not the guy I am sitting in this chair talking to you when I came out of recovery. I was still of the same mindset that I was before I went into recovery. Mm. There was some change, I have to say that. But, you know, at a very fundamental level, the same personality type. And it was only through work beyond recovery. And that included therapist. Uh, It included working the AA program. I was involved with my church a little bit. But I think a lot of it stemmed from the work I did in the recovery centers and working with others and helping people, is that I really found myself. There was a lot of self-reflection as well. And, and so, that's when I met you, is when you were doing that. Yes. And I could tell that you were a very reflective person. Yes, yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I came out of recovery, and I didn't know who I was. I mean, I didn't know who I was. You're nodding and smiling in agreement. You must have experienced something similar. I did from domestic abuse, and I just didn't know who I was at all. Yeah. I didn't know what shows I liked on TV. I didn't know what kind of eggs I liked. <laughs> I didn't really know much about because me. Because you relied on the other person or, or... I did not rely on them. They just told me okay. how it was going to be. And because they were so abusive, I let them take the lead. I was terrified. And, and for me, it was because I wasn't assertive in my own wants and needs. I didn't know what they were. I wasn't assertive either. I tried to be, but when you're being abused like that, you quit trying. You just go with whatever. Yeah. Because it's going to be bad enough if you if you concede everything, let alone fight something. Yeah. So... Coming out of these things, and I think maybe you were coming out of yours around the same time I was coming Mm -hmm. out of mine, and really starting to understand yourself and be able to define yourself as an individual. And I think probably, sweetie, that's probably one of the big reasons why we connected, was because we finally knew who we were, and we could have those boundaries, and we could express our wants and needs and desires, and we knew what we needed in a relationship. And we both had a better sense of self. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, th- I think it was fortunate that we met when we did. It was. I, sweetie, I guarantee um, I'm not the same guy. You wouldn't know me before sobriety. I'm sure not. And I probably would see you in a very different way as well. You would have seen a very broken woman, scared of almost everything, 
PTSD, anxiety, depression, the works because of what somebody did to me. Yep. You know, the trauma. Yep. That's uh, different details, but the same storyline for mm-hmm. me as well. Well, uh, we're at about a half hour here, uh, you know, for uh, serendipitous <laughs> journey uh, discussion. That uh, was... Uh, Pretty insightful, at least for me. So for me as well. Yeah. So we've had these talks before. We have these talks, these kind of talks, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just kind of start off one place and meander around and and talk about ourselves and our pasts and. I think well, we both are parents of adult children, but one thing that I learned because of all of my experiences was know who you are. Yeah. Be sure of who you are and be sure of who you're with. Be sure that they're respectful and kind and and they have good hearts. Hitting is not ever okay. No. no Verbal no, no. abuse Verbal. is not ever Emotional okay. Emotional abuse. No, none of it. None of it is, no, no. And, Take on the world. Be happy. As long as you're being a good person, that's what I want for you. I just want you to be happy yeah. and and be with somebody who makes you even happier, yep. which is what you do for me. Well, right back at you, kiddo. I used to cry every morning because the abuse would begin immediately. Yeah. And I'd cry all the way to work, and I'd cry all the way home because I was going back to abuse. It's not a way to live. It isn't. And now I wake up every morning with a really happy guy next to me who knows that I need a little time before I'm happy too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do see you kind of... You know, you you have this little routine where you wake up and you're on, you know, looking at your phone and and I'll come in and I'll see you're awake and you'll look at me and acknowledge me and (laughs) and it's almost this, go away, No, That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. It's more of a, I don't wake up a super happy person. (laughs) I evolve into a happy person after a little bit of time. Well, some people wake up early, earlier, not earlier, easier than others. I don't. Uh, I've always wondered if it is residual from my past life. Oh, it very well could be. I mean, the body remembers. You know. Because when I'm driving home from work, I'm happy because I get to be with you. Well, I'm equally as happy when I'm coming home. Or I'm here, and I know you're coming home, too. You know? Yeah, both ways. Yep. So we we went another five minutes here, but this is okay, because this is kind of what we do, you know. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times we'll start a show or a movie, and we'll get like 30 seconds in, and we'll, Hattie will go, 
which means pause it. And, <laughs> no. and then we spend five hours talking and realize we haven't watched what we intended to watch. And, uh, but they're such um, good conversations. Well, they, they are. And they take us all over the place. And so that's what this, yeah. this, this episode really is about, is just a kind of a serendipitous jaunt through, you know, whatever we felt like talking about. So join us next time. And uh, I think we'll just kind of call it a, an episode here, right? Yeah, I think I think so. I yep. think that before we go, okay, <laughs> this is the way it goes. <laughs> one last thing, one oh, more no. thing, and it's not getting You're the last word in. Away. It's just such a good thought. <laughs> um, now you made me forget. Oh, nuts! <laughs> no, you didn't make me anything. I guess people remember there are good people out there. There are good people out there. And a lot of them. A lot of them have been through terrible, terrible times. Yep. And find find somebody who can make you happy and make you smile and feel like you can just be yourself. Because I've never felt that way before until now that I can just be me and it's okay. That is so true. I, and that's exactly the same for me. I can just be myself. I don't have to pretend. Mm-hmm. And there you go. And there you go. All right. Uh